You are listening to The Sauna Show, a podcast that explores new ways to combat modern life and reclaim your health and vitality. My name is Sebastian Miro and I'm the CEO of Clearlight Saunas International and a passionate entrepreneur and health enthusiast. I'm sitting down with scientists, holistic health practitioners and change makers in the wellness space to talk about all things detox, health and happiness. So thank you very much for coming on to the sauna show. Really appreciate that you made time and I'm really excited to grill you on all the different knowledge and experience that you have. Thank you. It's a real honor being here. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Hey Jules, so I guess recently you have been known for for producing really world-class sunscreen that is uninvasive to the body as well as to to the environment. Um, and that, that's that's amazing and, and it has had great traction around the world but um how did you actually get into all of us like what what was your past to look into um really amazing sunscreen what was that quite a quite a natural flow for you or did it take a decade or two (laughs) yeah it took a decade or two um it was it wasn't actually skincare that got me into it it was working with a lot of different cultures around the world. So I, I started as a nurse, a registered nurse, and made my way to the outback of Australia because there's no nursing jobs in New Zealand, mm. strangely. And then ended up in London working for the uh, surgical unit there at the Military and Royal Hospital. And there was just this call of the wild always. It felt strange being in a world of hospitals and drugs and injections and chemicals. And I'd been bored up. Um, not in quite a conservative way, but my grandmother was my saving grace, really going to her garden as a little girl. And she would take me for a tour of the garden and teach me of the uh, the plants and, and what they're used for. So we really had a lovely connection to the garden through my grandparents and being brought up on the farm. And then being stuck in London in this um, concrete world, I just had this call to go to India. Actually, I was accused of practicing witchcraft <laughs> with the patients there because I kept coming back to natural ways and I kept coming back to um, creative visualization and how we can heal ourselves with plants rather than needing pre-meds and that sort of thing. So yeah, I ended up in India um, and I went for a six-week holiday, but two, three years later, I was still there getting lost and found. And I had a motorbike accident and it was a it was a shock. Like a, we didn't have helmets then. It was singlets and shorts, basically, when you're riding around on your motorbike. And a dog shot out from the bush, and we hit it, and just straight on the gravel road at about 80 k's an hour. Yeah. So we got these wounds, the kind of wounds that nurses don't like. Just, um, I thought I was going to be disfigured for life. Actually, I just I was right down my right side was really broken up, and because we were in the middle of nowhere, it was. A bit of a worry. Um, my partner was unconscious on the road and these women came out and, and just gathered us up in our bike up and took us into their mud hut and just started healing us with all things coconut. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Coconut toddy, you know, the alcohol that grows on the trees, coconut oil, coconut milk, just washing the wounds, healing them, singing mantras, I suppose, singing their songs. And we were in a lot of pain, so the children went out to the herb garden and found the the most awful plants they could find, <laughs> bitter tasting. 
um, plants and heated them up with other herbs and gave them to us in coconut shells. And we just started drinking these. It was, um, the taste was sort of, sort of off the planet, but I just had this happiness and pain relief washing over me. So I suspect it was opiate based. I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, keep that going, kids. And um, yeah, it was, it was just feeling amazing. Anyway, the next day, the wounds had granulated and healed over. And then um, two weeks later, I'd, I'd never seen wound healing like it. So that set me off onto a cycle of traveling for the next 10 years around the world, learning of indigenous and traditional medicine um, in so many different places, from deserts to mountains to communities out in the jungle. And it took me back to, to the call of the wild that was so loud for me. So that was where I went from my nursing to to back to the forest, back to the garden. And then when I came back to New Zealand, I did my naturopathy and medical herbalism. Um, and that got me back onto, onto the path of actually having certificates or diplomas on the wall that could justify the knowledge that I'd picked up on my travels. <laughs> it's a funny way of, of, of yeah, justifying your knowledge. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I guess that's the, the, the world we live in at the moment. That's right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and um, so then I, I had a baby on the way and I was making all sorts of re remedies from the plants around us, really eager to learn ancient New Zealand plant ways or yeah. law, we call it um, New Zealand native healing medicine or Māori medicine. And a komatua took me under his wing and started teaching me the plants here. It's quite sacred knowledge and quite guarded and protected for good reason. Um, it's been corrupted in a lot of ways and some recipes have been patented and, and now illegal to use for the locals of this land and many other places as well. Mm. So I learnt, I specialised in rongoa and started making all sorts of remedies, ended up with about 28 formulas, was selling out as I was exploring, you know, I was using my family and friends as rat labs and then <laughs> it was selling out, I started selling at the markets and with other naturopaths and I couldn't keep up with demand. Um, I'd turned my garage into a bush lab, into a forest lab, and we had 800-year-old forest wrapped around us. So I, I really had the Garden of Eden right at my doorstep. And um, with the babe on the way, I thought, gosh, even sunscreen is just, I wouldn't put that on a, on a newborn. I wouldn't put that on a baby. Um, I knew what the damage it did environmentally, but now I had someone else to think of and I didn't wear sunscreen myself because of what I ate. I had a healthy diet and essentially didn't need it. Um, but for a little one, I thought I need to start thinking, how, how can we make 100% natural sunscreen from the plants growing around us? Mm. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And so that left that led you to to explore what it actually takes to, I guess, you know, pre create something for the wider market, which I'm sure has implications of like, has to last for a certain time, you know, can't be contaminated with anything. There are probably quite a few restrictions that then probably changed your path again of actually looking into what does it take to manufacture on a big scale now. Yeah, which was very different to making a few liters here and there just for my family and friends. Um, absolutely, because I, I was determined to keep it 100% natural. Mm. and determined to get up there with, with the chemical alternatives, which were, um, you know, they, they're invisible and they smelt great and they could last forever on the shelves. 
and so I went to the experts and and they said that's actually impossible you know if you could do it the big guys would have done it by now you can't do 100% natural on SPF 50 so that's that's what got me thinking well I can I'm not one to be told you can't <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah just bloody minded really and and just kept working at it year after year kept putting it in for tests at um, Dermatest or it's called Eurofins now and it will come back as SPF 22 SPF 24 and so incrementally it was working up over the years I was able to get the stability with the um, my recipe so I could keep it 100% natural um, with my preservatives which is a, a recipe of our native bush medicine and eventually it got up to our latest tests uh, SPF 65.8 wow. um, so we became a world's first SPF 50 plus we can call it which is very high sun protection and a lot of stability tests over the years as well and often I'd have eureka moments and I've done it and then eight or nine months later I'd see the jars lining the walls of split formula and I'd be like oh <laughs> it'll start again so often you didn't know until time just started to unravel the formulas that I thought were stable weren't so I had to go through some really rigorous testing um, so it took me 18 years. I actually um, decided to certify it and test it globally because I knew it would be a target um, because the industry told, you know, told people that it was impossible. I knew that it would get a, a little bit of attention. Um, so I certified it globally, FDA and Europe, Asia, and got it certified as 100% natural, cruelty-free, non-GMO, or, you know, to the hilt. <laughs> and I launched it, <laughs> knowing that I was confident that, that we've passed all the, um, the tests necessary. Yeah. Ah, that is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, good on you for being, having such tenacity to get to that point. Yeah, I've never heard. That, that they can go like wow over to over to almost 66 spf that's that's amazing yeah thanks hey what 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 are the what are the risks and the unknowns when we look at conventionally made sunscreens besides the environmental factors which we i'm sure we'll talk about as well but um seeming we often focus on health on this this, this podcast quite a bit let's let's start with that aspect of of sunscreen like what do we know about the ingredients that normally are used in in sunscreen and, and the problems with with health yeah it's it's a great question because you know i think we just put the sunscreen on every two hours and not even realizing that what we're putting onto our skin is absorbing into our body so we're essentially eating it um just without our mouths and when you look at it that way, it's like you're eating a couple of tablespoons of chemical sunscreen every few hours. And we know this because it's, it's a UV absorber. So the chemicals that they use, the octibenzone and octinoxate and a few of the others, they are called UV absorbers. So they actually absorb UV into your skin and they're designed to do that. Um, there's been lots of studies um, and autopsies on cancerous tumors where they've found not just parabens but oxybenzones that can only get into the body through sunscreen. Um, there's also been studies on just taking urine samples from randomly from just the average person walking around. They did this in America, 97% of Americans 
um, had oxybenzone in the urine, which means that's the excretion from the body. The kidneys have already gone through the waste products and are sending it out. It's already toured the body. It's gone down to the mother liver who says, right, we need you there, you there, as far as calcium, zinc, minerals, whatever we put into our body. And it's gone into the bloodstream. So wherever the blood goes is where these chemicals are going. Um, they're hormone disruptors. Um, hormones are like the keys for most of our processes, not just what we think of with the um, female and, and male hormones, but they're also responsible for our digestion and, and lots of other processes in our body. So it disrupts, it disrupts what our hormones are made to do. Um, it's got all sorts of other problems that occur just on the skin. So there's been no tests with six, for example, six of the harmful chemicals, and they have been shown to be harmful by the FDA, and yet are still passed through to the consumer, which is worrying. It shows um, not just are they carcinogenic, but has there been any tests done on six of these chemicals cooking in 30-degree heat in the sun on our skin, a Petri dish, all day. Um, no, there's, there's been none. And so you can let your imagination go now. And I'm not going to make any claims here on what those chemicals can do. But we know that it causes severe health issues, not just on our skin, but within our bodies. And it accumulates because our body doesn't know what to do with these chemicals. So it sets up little rubbish heaps in the body. Mm. And then our body needs to excrete it. So it can excrete some of it through the urine, but there's other ways also that the body... Um, packages or encapsulates these chemicals so it's not a good story it's not a nice story and that's just what it does to our body and then we go and jump in the shower and of course it washes off into our waterways but before we go there I've, i found this this is um a point that i feel can't be emphasized enough because to me it's it's not quite as hmm, in, intuitive to to think that way but basically what you put on your skin goes right into your body and into your blood stream, which um, I could imagine that's just my idea about it. If you eat stuff, maybe it gets even filtered better than if you would put it on your skin. But um, making that connection of like what's actually on the bottle and you see chemicals in there and you see alcoholic and, and glycerin coming from, from uh, petrochemicals and, and so on on there, This is exactly what you imbibe, what you put into your body and what your body has to deal with. I think if you would say to the same person that puts uh, the, these chemicals on their, on their skin, please have a tablespoon every two hours, they would uh, reject it, not because it probably doesn't taste pretty good, but saying like, why would I put this on earth into my body? On the skin, fine, but into my body, no. But really what we have to learn is like, on your skin, is in your body. It's the same thing because it's completely absorbed. Where do you think it goes? It doesn't evaporate. And um, once you really get that, I, I found it still wrapping my head about that con concept is, is not as easy. And so I don't blame anyone not seeing that connection straight away. But um, we just said it really clearly, like whatever is in your chemicals that you put on your products that you put onto your body um, goes into your body and that's the same with shampoo to quite a degree and so on it's uh it's toothpaste yes you spit a little bit out but you know there's also a lot absorbed. and with skin care obviously all of it goes in it doesn't go anywhere else yeah yeah that's i mean it's amazing when you make that connection you can actually realize 
why you get overloaded in the day, why you might get migraines or headaches, knowing that whatever we put on our skin is found within the bloodstream in 30 seconds and found in the urine in 20 minutes. So uh, this this discovery, and you could, you could um, do research, FDA is really putting this information out there now, which is fantastic. Oh, oh, wow. People are starting to take notice. Um, but yeah, it affects our day. It does. If you're getting drowsy or your, your energy is low, just think, well, I had three tablespoons of chemicals for breakfast. Yeah, my shampoo, conditioner, body wash, put on my sunscreen. And then I did decide to have two more tablespoons every two hours or three hours at the beach. Um, so you could be on the best diet ever. You could be drinking as much water as you like, feeling really healthy and yet you're still feeling a little bit toxic or not sure how your body is getting rid of um, these, these chemicals, synthetic, you know, it's, it's, you may as well be eating paint or plastic with some of them if you look at the ingredients. So let's take notice. Having petrochemicals is just that, it's made from the petrol industry, you know, and look at Vaseline petroleum jelly, often petroleum is written in capitals. I mean, why would we put that on our babes? Why would we put it on our lips? You know, we're just, we're starting to make the connection now, which is so good. It's fantastic mm. waking up to this. But yeah, exactly. Let's make that bridge now and realize that if we wouldn't have it in a plate and eat it with a spoon, why on earth would we put it on our skin? Hey, there's another thought that just came to mind. What do you think about Botox? Like that, that goes right into, um, well, you know, you put it into the body, but if I, I don't know, enough about it other than you have to redo it which means it's the same story huh yeah yeah it's botulinum toxin so um if your dog drinks out of a lake that has botulinum the back legs can be paralyzed they can't walk so why would we start injecting that into our face so close to our brain i don't really know much about it either i stay away from that side of the um, beauty industry it seems dangerous to me it is a, a botulinum bacteria doesn't feel good to be injecting into your skin oh it's actually alive in a sense is it um it's well, it's still paralyzing but i don't know enough yeah. to really yeah, comment yeah. about that it's still paralyzing the muscles and so therefore it feels like it's active oh wow gee all right that's interesting oh. yeah Look, i have a couple of questions just to follow up on what you were saying before so just to uh, play devil's advocate so let's say i live in a city and there's actually a water treatment plant between my drain and the ocean so you're basically saying it can't be filtered out quite a few of these ingredients will just go right through it that they will not be filtered out is that correct that's correct yeah a lot of the ingredients they just don't break down um for example one drop of oxybenzone and six and a half Olympic-sized swimming pools kills coral. That's how dilute it can be. And we're putting 46,000 tons of it in our oceans every year. So enough to kill all our coral. That's just from sunscreen. Um, yeah, the filtering system. I mean, of course, there's lots of fluoride and, and things that are used to kill off the... Uh, it does kill off a lot of properties of water but you're essentially getting dead water that's carrying the a lot of these chemicals to the ocean so it's it's designed to be a living conscious entity carrying memory and we can keep throwing chemicals at it to kill off the other things and parasites and dna goodness knows what else is carried in there but i would um 
I think we need to come back to purifying our waters with conscious ways, mm -hmm. which is the least we could do. So you were saying that we, we can also find these chemicals in fish. You mean in some fish or is that actually like chemicals out of sunscreens? So is, that, is that something that is, can be quite commonly found in fish? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of these fish are filled with oxybenzone. Um, people aren't even fishing on the coast. People complain at restaurants that the fish tastes like sunscreen because they can't break it down either. So not only is the sunscreen landing on the coral and they're eating the coral, it's that strong in the waterways. If you go to any holiday destination, people are spraying it on and putting it on every two hours and jumping in the water. So that shows ah. the concentration of it. Mm. So you were saying the volume, you were talking about thousands of tons. So even though it's just for, we just talk about residential cosmetic use and a little bit of spray every day, arguing again, sort of like, you know, this can't be that bad, can it? Um, it does add up to a substantial number, you would say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just go to um, Bondi Beach in Sydney and you just need to take a scan up the beach and have a look at it. So it's not just one person putting it on once in the morning. We're addicted, you know, or people are addicted to to being um, smothered in these smells and, and um, sunscreens that they're taught and we're conditioned to put it on two times a day. Oh, sorry, every two hours, most people. So... Um, they're taking all of those doses to the water. I remember we went to Fraser Island and it's the pure water up there. Um, Lake Macquarie, I think it was, Lake Mackenzie. And it's so pure from the natural filtering systems of the sand that you dive under this lake that's aquamarine and then it goes out to a sapphire blue color. We got there first thing in the morning, dived under, and you're drinking as you're swimming underwater. I've never done that Whoa. anywhere else in the world. Taking <laughs> like gulps of water underwater. It's so sweet and so pure. Absolutely beautiful. And then this bus arrived, and everyone started spraying stuff on. Even I was choking on it just on the airwaves, um, rubbing sunscreen all over each other. And then the whole bus load of people just went into that lake. And I nearly cried. I thought, I mean, it does have a filtering system through the sand, but we're doing that in these little bays, which are suffering, you know, and especially if they've got coral in them. I don't think um, we can put that load on them much longer. There's been a really interesting time um, at Anini Beach in Kauai, Hawaii. A friend of mine, Terry Lilly, is a marine biologist that's been filming out there every day, 30 years. And since we've all been asked to free up and go inside and not go to the beaches for six months, he's watched what was largely dead coral. I was snorkeling out there in Hawaii with him last year in October. Now and then we'd see a little bit of colour, but mostly it looked like a wasteland there at Anini Beach. Since we've all stayed home, it's come back with abundance. He said he's seen coral he hasn't seen for 40, 50 years. It's teeming with life, just multicolored and growing faster than anyone could have known. The only thing that's changed is humans haven't been there at the beach. So that's yeah. a real live what's happened for the last six months in that's Hawaii. Great news. Yeah, so it feels great that this coral knows what to do and it's growing so fast, it's almost urgently growing, <laughs> um, that it was just standing by, you know, all the polyps. And we've got to remember it's an animal, it's not a plant. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, something, if we just leave it alone, it knows what to do. Oh, wow. 
That is fantastic. That's such a good news. That's really fast. Yeah, yeah. as long as some is left, I guess yes. um, they could come back. So, what are the ingredients, just just on a high level, that that we see in in good sunscreen, like your your, your own? What what are the things that are in there so that it works? Um, so the sunscreen essentially acts like reflectors. It's a physical barrier. It doesn't. That's that's everything. that's what every any sunscreen is. Uh, natural sunscreens, mineral okay. sunscreens. Yeah. Yes. So it's mm -hmm. the um, one of the ingredients in mine is an organic zinc. Um, so it blocks it, deflects it like little mirrors on the skin. Um, I use native native plants. So in in New Zealand, we've got a hole above. Um, us in the ozone and there's really harsh uv rays that you know you get quite sunburnt within 10 or 15 minutes mm -hmm. here as I opposed to a lot of yeah <laughs> even worse in australia um so our plants here have learned to adapt um for example kawakawa is my main hero ingredient in every one of my remedies but it's in my sunscreens and it's learned to build up a uv resistance or an spf factor um, tamanu, moringa, harakiki, these plants have their own SPF. So over the years, it's not the ingredients that I've changed, it's how I've tweaked them, the different formulations. So what they've done is all synergize together and infuse to get my SPF right up above 65. Um, yeah, raspberry seed oil, coffee seed oil, all of these ingredients have their own SPF. Some of them are six or eight. But when you combine them all together, you get a really good sunscreen. <laughs> and the other thing is to eat um, oils and things like hemp seed oil. So we grow hemp oil. We grow hemp plants here in New Zealand. And this oil, when you eat it, so it's got its own UV protector, you're growing your UV protection from the inside out. So you're effectively emitting that and you just don't get sunburnt. So I think we're designed to eat fresh plants and eat them with those biophotons, that pure light. And when you're eating um, seasonally and vine ripened or tree ripened plants, you just don't get burnt because so, we're meant to be outside, right? And so when you're active and outside and I don't get burnt, I, I now and then put my own sunscreen on um, just on my nose and lips or if I'm out boating, you know, shoulders and things, but I just don't get burnt because I eat locally from these plants every single day. Oh, that's so beautiful, and and I, I know that um, there's certainly no notion that people understand. Like black currants, for example, is an obvious one that gets exported from New Zealand because the uh, the light is so harsh, the UV is so so harsh that the plant has adapted to that. So it actually increased the skin, I think, thickness and therefore the vitamin C content in it and certain things, right? And um, yes. I'm sure Kawakawa has done similar things. So maybe 100, 200 years ago, well, not even. Yeah, 100 years ago for sure, it would have been not the same plant with the same uh, production, but now it actually sort of, you know, helps itself, but for us as well as an ingredient. Absolutely, yeah, and I love that. That's, I was taught by a very um, well-known seed bank um, person here that we are the seed banks. When you let a plant grow, you eat the seeds, we evolve with it because it's a very different plant, the seeds that you eat or the plants, the fruits that you eat. Um, then you replant it again and it's evolving with what's going on right now and things are speeding up. So if we're eating plants right here and now, then we're evolving that fast too because our plants are tapped in, tuned in, plugged in to exactly what's going on on um, planet Earth all around the planet. 
And something I love is our New Zealand plants, like 80% of them are found nowhere else in the world. So this is a way, and it's a very smart way, really wise of these plants of being so desirable and so gorgeous that we want to get them all around the world. So, <laughs> you know, you've got, um, you've got leaders, you've got people in every country now rubbing kawakawa, tamanu, moringa, harakiki on their skin. It's winding up, you know, in their mm. body as a superfood. And they're also getting that wisdom. We're only using fresh, you know, plants. So they're evolving as fast as we are down here. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So what I heard you saying uh, when I spoke to you uh, a day ago, so before this, this interview, is also that um, the laws are changing uh, pro pro um, natural skin care, right? Um, what have you seen happening around the world so far in that, in that space? Uh, well, one exciting thing is Hawaii was the first to pass legislation, well, to announce that they are, it's going to be January 2021, passing legislation banning synthetic sunscreen because they listened to a doctor that put out a, a paper here showing the oxybenzone um, kills the algae that lives symbiotically with the coral and therefore the coral's bleaching and dying. It can't live without this. Um, Mexico, all the eco-parks there have banned it. Bonilla Island, Palau Islands. The president there is one of my heroes. He took a stand and just slapped an instant $1,000 fine on anyone that's carrying the sunscreen, even in their bag, um, because it's known as an environmental poison. They've got 250 plus islands out there in a coral research institute. And luckily, the president makes the economic decisions in Palau Islands. In fact, my team and I were on our way there. We had our flights. He was going to host us for the week and um, was going to use EK sunscreen as you know in their resorts to protect their coral reefs. So leaders now are taking a stand. Um, I'm hoping they get onto it on the Great Barrier Reef because there's an issue there, obviously, with a massive part of the reef is now bleached and dying or dead already so so yeah i think once once this legislation hits you any business that is selling or tries to sell chemical or synthetic sunscreen um, will be fined or closed down so this is really exciting because now the stores <laughs> hawaiian airlines you know they all want to use our sunscreen as the official sunscreen um to be like to be a, a spearhead to to really get back onto the right track because we can see that our coral wants to grow back. We just have to stop poisoning it and give it a fair chance. So this not only doesn't poison it, but it enhances it and enhances our, our health as well. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's really exciting. And I'm sure, sure it will continue because it makes sense that you want to protect um, as, as a local as a you know, as a local politician, you want to protect uh, the tourist industry, and if it is as obvious as this one, it's an easy one to get buy-in from from other politicians as well, and of course from the local community and say, like, "All right, that makes sense." Plus, there's a there's a replacement. That's the great thing about I think when um, uh, when sort of uh, the ozone layer issue, the thing of the ozone layer came out. One really really exciting thing about that uh, one trail protocol it was called um is that there was the substitute and it, it worked extremely well like in terms of uh the, the, we, we reduced the amount of chemicals going out that that uh, have an effect on that ozone layer by 
a, a huge amount. I, I, I actually studied a little bit of uh, the legalities on that uh, at, at university, and and it was it was great. So I can uh, connect that to your story and think like, well, since there is a replacement available, it will be possible to actually argue really easily that this has to be the norm and it has to be anything else, any harmful substances have to be phased out. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a much larger, you know, picture as well. It's um, as the coral reefs die, they drop two meters and they protect the high impact waves from hitting the shore. And I think this is what got the leaders really thinking because these high impact waves now are hitting the shore and condos are starting to crumble. They're starting to lose their foundations and that's got getting some also some big money behind it because they're going, wait, <laughs> government do something about it. Um, this is an issue. And you can see it along a lot of those Hawaiian um, shorelines. Terry's actually done a bit of filming around that. These massive waves are now corroding the, the beaches. Um, because simply because the coral reefs have dropped away, died and dropped away, and they're our natural boundary mm. to hold the energy of the waves back. Um, so that's quite a serious issue as well. And so it, it's in our best interest to really look at the environmental impact on how we can turn it around. Now that there is an alternative, it's just a swap mentality. You know, why would you buy that over that? Well, here's some really good reasons why. So it's a movement, you know, it's something we just need to settle into doing the right thing. It's just a natural thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Jules, yeah. to me, coral reefs relate to sort of Pacific islands and really warm places. Is that, you know, and, and he, hearing your argument that, look, you know, with a two-meter drop, that's basically equivalent to a sea, sea level rise of, of two, two meters, which is intense. That's, that, that's a lot. And... Um, I did, I did study climate change quite a bit and, and the implications of sea level rise there. Um, from, from that knowledge, that's, that's intense. That's, that's a high, that, that makes such a difference in terms of the power of a wave actually crashing onto the land and how far it gets into, inland. Um, but I can't quite remember, where do we find these, these corals? Like, do we see only implications in really warm climates or would even places like... Um, like Sydney, like, you know, like in, in uh, or, or Europe, like Australia or, or Europe be affected by things like that? Yeah, um, well, you're just Mediterranean and a lot of the dive areas, definitely, where there's coral further out to sea. Um, I don't believe there is coral around Europe. Um, mm. So it's just the implications of you putting it into the ocean if you start mm. following mm. the trade currents and trade winds and, and where that, you know, takes it. Ultimately, it's one big soup bowl, isn't it? It uh. ends up everywhere because it doesn't break down. Um, the Pacific Islands, yeah, we're working, I've, I've built up over the last 10 years relationships. I call it the Seven Sisters with women in seven different islands. Um, so I've just promised them a long, strong relationship where they're making our coconut oil in the really ancient ways. Um, you know, lime and passion fruit oil and the moringa and cacao and vanilla and so just working directly with the woman there and some of them are way out in the atolls in Samoa and um, it's it's a problem because they're getting wet feet you know now and then with the king tide the water's coming right into their lounge and their huts um, so it's a problem now and a lot of the teenagers or the kids have gone to the city there's not much work there um, 
and the diehards are staying behind, but it looks like their islands are sinking. And, you know, if we can really set this up as a grassroots business, then they can bring their kids home again. They can get back into the manufacturing and have proper little economies going. And we're counting on it because we get the purest ingredients in the world made with love by their hands in traditional ways. And we've got a lot to learn from them. Um, and we also need to take care of their surrounds. So effectively, they hand us the sunscreen ingredients. We hand the sunscreen back to them. And eventually, I'd love to show them how to make the sunscreen out there to look after their own reefs. And then the tourism comes back, of course, because there's reefs teeming with life. It becomes their boundaries. And so it looks after the energy of the waves that are starting to you know, encroach further and further onto their lives. So whatever we call it, um, climate change or, or poisoning the reefs, or there's positive ways of turning this around and starting a movement with as much momentum as these waves coming in. We can really just swap out, you know, it's, it's as easy as that. I think we just got complacent. We got a little bit docile and we were just fed marketing education rather than thinking, oh, hang on a minute, this is not right. So now we're becoming more conscious with what we're actually doing. Yeah, and I can see the younger generations are really driving that, you know, when it comes to climate change, that is, that is certainly a topic that people really, really get and, and, and are really concerned about, but of course also other, other parts. So I, there's a bright future ahead. And I was wondering whether you could uh, picture a little bit of like, what would the cosmetic industry, so not just sunscreen, but maybe you've also thought a little bit wider of like in general cosmetics, like what could it look like? Or it could be like a really positive and non-invasive uh, and, and, and healthy cosmetic industry look like and, and also, you know, um, sort of environment supporting rather than, rather than destroying um, industry. Yeah, I believe now we're really, like you say, the younger generation are driving it. So this is very powerful because it's mum, dad, why don't we, you know, look after the sharks or why are we putting all that rubbish in the ground or, you know, so they're, they're driving it and what they're learning at school. What the, I think they've just come in with this far greater wisdom. I believe the children being born now and this next generation, they're already wired for a purer world. And it's my generation that are just taking a stand to, to get that ready for them as stewards of now, but we're also stewards for the future. So exactly what we do today is making a difference. Like we, we cannot deny that every action we take today is feeding this next generation the world that they deserve. Um, the cosmetic industry, I believe because of all the buzzwords now, I mean, you never heard people go into a chemist before and say, so does it have oxybenzone in it or does it have parabens yeah. in it? Yeah. These, buzzwords are fantastic because why would a mum care well she does care because now she realizes oh god what sort of future am I leaving my children as far as you know killing the environment I'm trying to set a good example plus the children uh, there's this funny thing with plants and human skin and our olfactory and hypothalamus that when you smell plant medicine or essential oils or something, it's opening and your body gives you a full body yes. When you smell like mineral oils and chemicals, you kind of get it, it catches in your throat or something and, it, and your pores close and it sits on top. 
that when you put on something natural, your pores open and an angelic choir starts and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> and kids ask for it. Kids ask for the natural stuff. They're happy to put it on and they ask for it. Whereas when you see kids screwing up their nose and getting Mm-mm. whatever it is, um, even if it's mineral oils, you know, that baby oil and things like that, or sunscreen, um, they're saying no on a on a big level and I think we know it too. Intuitively we know it, but it's sort of it's that or what other choice have we got? Mm. So the future feels very bright. Um, even the next five, ten years, I think is incredible because a lot of our influences are heading towards the natural way. I mean, if you don't, it's bad for business. Like all of our um, courier and tape and even our shipping materials made from mushrooms and compostable and so you could slice the business anywhere along the line and see that we don't like plastics we don't we take this seriously you know we we want you to be able to throw your courier bag in, into the compost or even the tape that's taping it together mm. so um if we you know me one girl from the sticks can can make a difference with an idea and just bloody mindedness then so can my neighbor and all my friends and family and really quickly that momentum changes the way we do business and and we can do the right thing we just can um or do what feels good and what feels good is being guardians of today and guardians of our future our kids know exactly what to do with that future uh, yeah, that reminds me on uh, the book, The Silent Spring, because I think one one Rachel Carson was saying like, you know, um, what is it? Don't wait that for for everyone to, you know, to start make a difference. Like, uh, you know, if you think that's right, if you think if you think that a small group uh, of people can't uh, or can make a difference and you're right, because um, normally that's exactly what happens. That's that's how it happens. Like it's, it starts with a small movement, but before you know it, it's actually taken up by everyone. And then everyone claims that they were the first to do it. It doesn't really matter at the end. As long as, you know, as, as long as yeah. the change comes, it doesn't matter who claims. That's not what it is about anyway. Yeah, it's beautiful. Once it gets momentum, it's amazing. And it's mm. a cool thing to do, you know. People <laughs> yeah. jump on board. It's different. And it's, it's just because it feels so good. It naturally brings you joy and bliss and you feel like you're consciously doing right action or good action and then your life just becomes better you know that that's taken care of in your life you know so it naturally brings there's no inner conflict so mm. there's no like oh this doesn't feel right but i'll do it anyway it's this feels really good and i'm part of something bigger here and so it does naturally bring joy and yeah let's do it together yeah, yeah, I hear you. And and you know, wellness is one of those industries that even even during the pandemic has done extremely well and has helped. Uh, well, you know, those types of businesses have have, have really they, they were thriving. And and I guess you know the, the consciousness towards uh, a more natural way of, of of looking after your health, looking after yourself, just comes comes in with it. And 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 that's just so encouraging to see. I think it, yeah, it it has its ripple effects. And and yeah, I, I I agree. I think the future is really bright, and um, the ripple effects will just go through all parts of society. And before we know it, we are in a very different reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels <laughs> really good. And across the industries too, it's not just the beauty industry. It's really how we live life. And I loved, I grabbed an old 1959 retro caravan and um, brought it all around the North Island and we took 10,000 samples out to the beaches. This is how I got my retailers. And we went to the, the boating industry, the fishing industry, 
industry. Sorry, is that loud? <laughs> Can you no. hear that? Um, and even the boaties and the fishing guys are saying we won't even use sunscreen. We just there's no alternative out there, so we just don't use it. And they were already switched on the diving community. They were just saying, no, we just don't use it. We just cover up. So people have been thinking about that for a long time, but they'd rather abstain than uh, using the alternatives. So it's already rippling out there. We're so ripe for doing um, great things mm. with, with the resources we've got around us, but in a regenerative way, mm. a sustainable way. So for example, the way we do it, if you imagine a bush covered mountain, if you go down in a strip and lightly prune the aerial parts, so it's like you're tickling it all the way through going around, and by the time you come back six months later, it's bushed out. You know, it's bushed out three times as big. Mm. You're casting seeds as you go. So you've always got that seven generation thinking. You're always looking after the next seven generations as the seven before looked after us. Mm. Um, so with that way, we can regenerate and we can always have more of more than enough um, whilst looking after the planet so it's just a, sh a shift in thinking only a slight shift but there's more than enough you know it's a, mm. an abundant future really mm. i can see you make this work for you i love it <laughs> <laughs> and um i know you're also uh, making the community you know w w working with you in in some other ways so uh, do tell us a little bit about your Indiegogo campaign. Like, what is that about, and what, what's the goal for that, and, and why, why did you start looking into that one? Uh, yeah, it's because I feel like it, this is a movement. I started off with Indiegogo a couple of years ago because I was I was just a mum trying to do a good thing in the world um, with the sunscreen, and I was blown away. The community got behind me just to get my packaging and branding and everything sorted. And then I launched. Um, I sort of tricked on my own for a good 17 years before that. And then it was time to call on the community. And I raised enough to really launch the company well. And now, um, to my surprise, we won two global awards recently. And I was, I was really blown away. It was um, Thank you. Yeah. And it was, it was out of the blue. It was a gold award for best plant-based product, not even the sunscreen industry, and a silver trophy for... Um, best ethical product that's just brought me incredible attention uh, in the media and I've I've really really got a high demand now so the Indiegogo campaign is about doing the biggest funding uh, run that we've ever done doing the biggest production run um, we're getting it out to Europe UK and into Hawaii and California and Florida and they've all banned chemical sunscreen so it's it's really taken off. I, I believe it's the timing. I've been bleating on about this for years, but now we've we've all caught up. The law and science and magic and our consciousness is caught up to the fact that we can do something really positive together. So yeah, we've just launched an Indiegogo campaign where we are raising funds to to do the biggest production run we've ever done, um, three times as big, and. I don't think we'll be able to keep up with demand even with that run, but that'll give us enough momentum then to really kick off. Awesome. So we've got some great influencers um, <laughs> yeah, across the board that want to run with that. Brilliant. We will put the link below, but if uh, if people just listen to it and can't really look, um, what would what they search search for on, on Indiegogo to, to find you? Uh, Earth's Kitchen Sunscreen. Great. 
And that's also a good one to Google if they want to learn more about your products, eh? Yeah, some call it EK Sunscreen or Earth's Kitchen Sunscreen. And mm. um, yeah, we're just updating our website with all, even where we source our ingredients. I believe people are really interested in that journey and where it's all weaving in from. You know, it's a global story. We make it, it's 100% owned um, and made of New Zealand, but we do have our Pacific Island partnerships and to get this underway in such a big way, just from an idea, you know, and just taking action, just just taking one step. I believe when you take a step, the path forms underneath you and three or four other magical things appear. So taking that action is incredible. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I also I teach forest aid. I used to take people out into the forest in the mornings and then we would go forage plants. And then in the afternoon, we'd make 15 different products that they'd take home in a gift bag. And my reason for that was just to take away the objection that I haven't got time. So they'd take away even um, dandelion and burdock wine, wildflower salads, um, all their own body scrubs, moisturizers, body oils, even sacred smoking herbs not that kind, um, <laughs> all kinds of um, vinaigrettes and jointed muscle rubs, insect repellents that they make with their own fair hands from our forest and wild weeds. And so I don't have time to do that anymore. So I've put that all online as well. That's called Forest Aid. Um, Wonderful. I call it Forest Aid because it's first aid and it's a aiding our forest as much as our forest is aiding us. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. That's great. Hey, um, I do, um, I do want to ask you sort of the three questions that we ask every, every um, guest. But before we go there, um, there was one thing I just picked up on. And you were talking about the, the ethicality, like ethical um, cosmetics. Um, can you just quickly talk about the problem that we have with ethics when it comes to cosmetics? Because, um, you know, not everyone who listens might be, might be fully aware of, of what the issues for often conventional uh, cosmetics are. Do you mean like what's in the cosmetics and? Yeah, but I guess also you know I I assumed you would also um, mean maybe the testing of it, things like that, the sourcing of 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 uh, ingredients maybe as well. Yeah, um, yeah, the sourcing of ingredients of cosmetics. I feel like we're educating ourselves on that as well. So, for example, palm oil is a big one um, that's used in a lot of cosmetics and. Luckily, a lot of businesses won't accept sunscreen or other cosmetics that have palm oil in them. What's the issue um, with that one? Well, the way it's it's grown and it takes out native forests in order to plant this palm oil. Um, orangutans are being uh, dislodged. They're basically running on this burnt, desolate wasteland and then they're being harvested. Mm. Um or killed because they've got nowhere to go. So it's their native homes. So it's it's the saddest affair. And um, this is all because of our consumer demand for palm oil, mm. um, which is in the food industry as well. There's there's many that are made from the petrochemical industry. It's not sustainable. And we really need to look at the origins of our ingredients to also take on that story into our bloodstream. And if we take it that deep and get philosophical about it, I believe it's it's like when you start researching what happens to our animals, why you stop eating meat, you know? Mm. It's similar with skincare ingredients. When you look at how things are harvested or wrenched out of the earth or whole forests taken down, 
it's not the way to go because mother nature's given us a way of not only keeping it at a um, lovely wild crafted or organic um, resources we've got more than enough but to regenerate to keep it growing three times as bountiful and that's my mission too i see the forests all coming back i see the coral reefs just flourishing like like they used to you know before we before 70 years ago um i really see that as our future i see it because we're doing it and i see it because it just takes a slight shift and swap mentality to bring it all back around so we've got to stop um this this unsustainable practice mm. and cruel practice and that's the thing um we've been a true certified and biogro certified so that means that it's non-cruel you know it has a non-cruelty certificate with it and we have to prove from seed right through to finished product in the packaging that no bunnies were harmed or no other animals were harmed in the making manufacturing and processing of every ingredient and so let's start looking for those logos even if you don't do the research yourself just just get the confidence when you see that a uh, certifying body has done the homework for you uh, um, and don't go for unethical practices anymore because we really are taking that story into our lives uh, and it's a choice you know it is a choice yeah. oh wonderful look at something that i would just want to comment on what i thought was always amazing is um the cosmetic industry and i don't know if the perfumes would is perfume a cosmetic yeah so it's something else something else that is an industry if i'm correct that is unregulated in terms of having to be tested to be safe for people would do, do you know a little bit more about it that's always my impression that i had and that just stunned me because if we go back to like you put it on your skin, which is basically you eating it, then um, that would be a really crazy thing to be. But it is, isn't it? It's not regulated. No, it's not regulated, and um, it is causing problems. And oh, there's yeah, there's a lot of issues out there. You know, like I say, there's been autopsies that these tumors are containing full trunks of certain, won't say the name, brands of cosmetics creams that our grandmothers used and our mothers and were taught to use this cream it's the best but what our body's doing is sensing it as almost like a plastic or a, it's encapsulating it in a net and then it's a it's a rubbish pile um, that the body needs to deal with i.e a tumor um, there's there's no real industry that's that's looking after the health effects for us um, and even the FDA is letting through some really questionable ingredients onto the shelves as far as food, um, drugs, and skincare. Um, the cosmetic industry, there is quite quite um, stringent testing in Australia and America called the TGA in Australia, the Therapeutic Goods Administration. It's a pharmaceutical arm that governs the natural regulations. In New Zealand, the... Um, the testing is quite lax, but it's getting better. Um, so recently, Consumer New Zealand's been running tests and pulling a whole lot of products off the shelf that are making claims um, not standing up to their claims as far as um, UV protection. And, yeah, cosmetics, I think, is another whole industry that really needs to be looked at. And if we did, we'd be horrified at, at what's really going on, you know, what yeah. it's doing with our bodies. Well, let's hope that happens rather quickly. It can. So, you know, yeah. who knows what the future holds, but it sounds positive. And it's great talking to you because uh, whenever I throw something like 
negative or you know questionable at you 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 do answer the question and yes it is that bad but and then there comes a positive response as well so i really appreciate that attitude it's uh, something that i certainly want to learn more i love it thank you, thank you so much for doing that it's awesome <laughs> um so um look i guess um i do want to ask the three questions to you but uh, i think the uh, last one that i want to just say is like, like what can we do like what 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 is it that that anyone of us can do to look better after the health and um and after the planet, obviously, using your sunscreen, no doubt about it. And we will go to your website and we, I'm sure we can order it there and we'll find it in more and more shops anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, what, what can you see anyone co- could do to help? Um, I believe that as long as we, we drink good quality water, and by saying that I mean that our water is a living, vibrant being, and without it, no one or no thing exists. So let's. Um, ensure that it is knowing that it has a memory so even i used to teach our kids this to talk to your water if you look at (laughs) (laughs) mazuru emoto yeah cheers (laughs) (laughs) Um, we can say i love you thank you to your water if you look at mazuru emoto's work you'll see that the water takes on those qualities so it's just incredible um the quality of our water that we drink every day I won't let a day finish without eating something from the ground, from the soil, even if it's just a little plantain leaf, a baby dandelion leaf, um, kawakawa leaf off the tree, kodamiko, anything, piece of salad from the garden. I won't let the sun set without that happening because this is living biophotons. This is living light. And any plant carries that light for four hours um, after harvesting for us to imbibe. So we're eating pure light. So even those two things are holding the wisdom of what is happening on the planet right now. And it carries the antidote or the wisdom. So we just, our intuition gets stronger with that. Um, definitely movement every day, try and sweat every day because our lymphatic system doesn't have its own valves. So it's, you know, it's our muscles that are milking the lymphatics to get the toxins out of our body. So the water will help with that. Um, definitely a beautiful diet and be conscious of what we're putting on our bodies as well. Everything from washing our hair, scrubbing our faces, um, washing our bodies, just question what is it and go as simple as using, you know, coconut oil or which is a beautiful um, superfood anyway, recognizing that fats and salt, salt is a really, really powerful healer. Um, I listen to what we're told not to do and then I do the opposite, see what will happen. (laughs) And often um, our health is incredible. So for the last two years, I've been going to the House Sovereignty Summit in Bali and been on the panel and been part of it. We've had health experts from all around the world that have had a lot to do with um, healing cancer at stage four um, and all kinds of chronic illnesses. Each one of the doctors, naturopaths, mentioned salt Um, I'm talking about original sea salt or Himalayan salt with 84 central minerals is the bridge to our healing salt protein good waters and to alkalize your system so really study what it is to alkalize your system because colds and flus can't exist in an alkaline system they love they thrive in acidic system gout arthritis dermatitis sinusitis anything with itis Itis means inflammation, which is our main cause for most Western issues these days. Um, 
itis is acidic. So anything itis can't exist in an alkaline environment. So get your greens on board, even taking a bit of baking soda and a shot of um, with a bit of lemon and honey, if you like, every day, fasting twice a year. Um, I could go on and on, but I really, I really believe in eating locally. Um, everything you need is within a 10K radius of where you live, even if you can drink wild waters. Incredible. Beautiful. Oh, thanks. That was a great list. That was a great list. <laughs> now, let me get to my three questions I've been talking so much about. <laughs> so one is, uh, um, and you know, you don't have to think too deeply about it, but um, what is it that, that gets you up every morning? What's, what's your driver? Gets me up every morning. Um, the dog barking at the door. <laughs> um, <laughs> what gets me up every morning? I, I bounce out of bed. I love life. You know, I just... Uh, as you mentioned before, I'm just uncontrollably optimistic, not naive, but optimistic. Um, I, I love taking action. I love adhering um, with action to a really good plan because I see results quickly. So I have, I know I'm making a difference every day. Every day I'm inching closer to the world that I'm creating and that's inspiring my children. I know that. Um, so what gets me up in the day is just seeing what the day brings sunrise at the beach or, you know, always barefoot on the beach swimming, um, our life in general, I get a lot of joy and bliss. I see beauty everywhere. So I just, I am intoxicated by life. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait to start the day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and the second question is what's your thing at the moment? What are you researching? What are you doing at the moment? It's the one thing that is, more on your mind than, than it has been before something new oh earth houses cob houses um cool. so building from local resources we've just acquired a 77 acre property with our own mountain and own lake um so yeah i want to build my own house so oh, I, I love it and also water so we're building um plateaued vortexing um water through terraces in structured water, we've got our own springs coming out of the ground. So I'm determined to build the entire house, um, completely free energy. We're doing solar, hydro, and supplying our own water so we can absolutely switch off if we need to. Well, we are, we're already off grid, but you know, there's a couple of families and um, our children just showing ourselves that we really can build a work of art um, with what's growing around us. Great. Ah, that sounds beautiful. Is that in the South Island or North Island of New Zealand? Uh, it's in the North Island. I'm mm. also, um, I'm doing my boat masters and seaplane license. I've, I'm already a pilot, but I'm bridging over to seaplane. Jack of all trades. Amazing. Well, I just like, I like the ocean and I yeah. love flying. I've got no real excuse, just that it's, um, it's how I get my jollies. Oh, I put that on my bucket list too. That's a great idea. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one. Um, why do you think humanity exists? Why do you think we are here? Ooh, it's a biggie. Uh, why are we here? I think we are here with free will, and we are essentially the universe expressing itself through us. We're all on different levels, and that's absolutely okay. So I see life expressing itself in the spectrum through humanity um, from the deepest underbelly to the highest angelics and everything in between 
and I've just come to peace with that lately that, um, you know, I spent decades shaking people and trying to wake them up and it's exhausting. And I've realized it's none of my business. Um, people's journey that they're on is perfect. It's perfect for them. And it's perfect for me to witness. So I believe we're here evolving, making a difference. We've got that choice, that free will. Some of us are born needing to, needing, and my son's like this too, just waking up every day needing to create this world that we see in our imagination. So we've got that choice too. And yeah, we need to be um, the universe expressing itself in order to see the, the bizarre and wild, weird world that we are and choosing which frequency or fractal that we want to be on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Sure, that would be that was an incredible hour. Thank you so much for spending that with us. And um, thanks for being so inspiring to pioneer things. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love you seeing you being so thriving as well. That's really inspiring and enjoying your life. That's really, really obvious. And uh, of course, all the wisdom that you shared with us. So I wish you all the best. I wish your company all the best. And please uh, go forth and, and conquer and um, yeah, make that sunscreen industry a uh, a better place for earth and for for the users i love it <laughs> oh, thank you so much sebastian it's been a real pleasure chatting with you and i love what you're doing too you're just allowing us to tell our stories and you're providing such inspiration yourself so thank you it's been Thanks, an honor. wonderful <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Sauna Show. My name is Sebastian Mirau, and this episode was sponsored by Clearlight Jacuzzi Saunas, the world's leading provider of superior quality, full-spectrum infrared saunas. You can find more information and resources for this podcast at thesaunashow.com, all one word, or on Instagram at thesaunashow. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with friends. Until next time, have the best day ever.